on you for you are the author and the finisher of our faith oh we're so thankful for your kindness we're so thankful for your goodness you are great and we give you praise everybody said amen hallelujah well it's good to be in church i had a vision excuse me it wasn't a vision the lord just spoke to me several years ago quite a few years ago actually long before i was ever even preaching there was an ad on television And this guy was in a a fishing boat and he was fly fishing, catching fish one at a time. And then he decided to put a huge TV in his little fishing boat and turn it on. And there was a big picture of a dragonfly on the screen. And all of a sudden, all the fish just started jumping into the boat toward the television screen until the boat was so full of fish that he had to turn the television off. And, you know, the Lord kept speaking to me every time I'd see it and say, I'm going to do a new thing where you're not going to just be fishing by hand. You're going to be fishing en masse through television for souls. And so I I kept looking around for who to give that word to, thinking it was for somebody else. And the Lord just said, stop giving away the, the invitations I'm giving to you. And, uh, and now you know, the favor that God's pouring out is extraordinary. God keeps giving me little pushes by, like, giving us free airtime, <laughs> which is unheard of in many places. And favor, like uh, next month uh, there'll be another interview with Sid Roth airing that I did in Israel. And um, I've had the privilege of uh, being on the cover of the next charisma spirit-led women's magazine and it's just god being very intentional and deliberate i believe to, to push me out you know out of my comfort zone into the place where he actually wants to make his name great and he wants to use us to let the message be seen all over the world hallelujah and my thought is that if people can be flicking through the channels and they stop and they hear this aussie or these crazy australians jumping and dancing and singing and testifying of miracle working power of God that we might just get their attention and that they might just hear the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. So that's, that's the purpose of why we are um, being so deliberate with our teams. We want to say thank you to all our live stream teams. You're doing such a great job. And Nathaniel heading it all up. Just been, he, just amazing. You're here, Nathaniel. God bless you. He's been uh, preaching up at Wave Church this morning uh, after our normal Christian life conference that Joel and Nathaniel and I uh, did this weekend. So fun. Lots of people healed and just wonderful things that God's doing. Uh, but we give God all the glory because it's his doing. Hallelujah. So thank you for your prayers and thank you for your support. Wonderful Jesus, speak to us today. Help us, Holy Spirit. Lord, our heart's desire is to know you more. Father, we desire to know you more. Lord, we ask, Father, that you'd renew in us a childlike heart. 
a first love. Help us, bring us back to that first love where we read and hear your word like little children hearing it for the very first time. God, I invite you, Lord, to take away any lenses that we view your word through that are distorting the truth, the raw, real truth of what you're really saying. Father, we embrace the move of your spirit right now that is awakening us to truth. We ask, you are the way and the truth and the life, Lord. We ask, spirit of truth, teach us truth. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. Guide us in the way everlasting. Father, open our hearts. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, we don't consider ourselves rich and full and having need of nothing, but we have need of your eye salve that we could see clearly. Lord, take us back to the simplicity of knowing you and knowing your word. Father, we ask for your help, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, who loves the word of God? I want to encourage you. This is a time that I believe the Holy Spirit is really pouring out an anointing for revelation. And be in it. Open the book. Read it. Read whole books of the Bible. Have Colossians for breakfast. Or uh, I like to listen to the audio Bible too. At, at night time, we go to sleep, Tom and I. Uh, I've put, got a sleep timer that we play the Bible, audio Bible for 15 minutes as we go to sleep. And, and during the day, I've got my own personal studies that I love to do. And I also like to snack on the Bible. It's just mm, it's spiritual food. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit wants us to be so acquaint, acquainted with the word so he can bring it to our remembrance. Hallelujah. Hard to remember something you haven't read, but the Holy Spirit wants to bring it to our remembrance. Amen. I started last week a a series on healing, and I want to do some more on that today because I really believe the Holy Spirit is wanting to wake us up afresh to the power that we have. You know, Paul prays for us in Ephesians chapter 1 that we might know uh, supernaturally the spirit of wisdom and revelation, enlightening the eyes of our understanding and the knowledge of him, that we may know the hope of our calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the greatness of the power toward us who believe. That same power that raised Christ up from the dead is now living in us. It's just an astonishing thought. But we need supernatural revelation to really grasp it. You know, I've said before that we live in an age of information where we can get so much information. We know so many things. We can hear so many things. You've got the web, you know, on your phone. You can just get information. And I love it. You know, if we've got a question, what's that tree? You know, over breakfast this morning, Tom was just able to go, it is a da-da-da-da-da. We've got so much information at our fingertips, but I believe that as stewards of the word of God, we need to hunger more for than just uh, knowing information. We want to steward what the Bible says. We want to take the revelation and not despise prophecy. Not to treat it lightly, but to actually meditate on it. Let it go down deep into our hearts and feed on it until it becomes part of our identity. When you eat good food, you actually digest it and it takes a bit of time and then it becomes part of your blood system. And in the same way, revelation, when we hear it, shouldn't just be adding to our knowledge of what we know. It should be 
meditated on, digested, spiritually digested, spiritually stewarded until it actually becomes a reality outworked and applied in our lives. Amen. And so in our culture where we are seeing healings and miracles every week, I don't want to forget that we need to be continually equipping our new believers. We need to be equipping people in the power that we have to manifest Christ's glory. Now, the Bible says that when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was the beginning of the manifestation of his glory. Signs, wonders, and miracles are not some fringe thing. It's the Bible. And it's no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us, and it's still who he is. He's still what he's doing, signs, wonders, and miracles, because they manifest who he is. Healings and miracles, the ministry of healing, the ministry of miracles is not uh, something we do. It's a manifestation of who he is. Hallelujah. It's a manifestation of his glory. And it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's no longer we who lives, but Christ who lives in us. And he wants to manifest himself in miracles and healings. He says we're not to preach the word of God with persuasive words of men's wisdom but with demonstrations of the Spirit's power. We know that as you move in the miracle-working power of God, as we move in the supernatural power of God, we can see the love of Christ tangibly manifested. You see, even when it comes to praying for people, I like to consciously be aware that anything we do, if it's not done in love, is a waste of time. So... Even when it comes to big meetings where there's thousands of people and lots of people needing prayer, I still like to remind myself, if I'm going down a healing line praying for people, I like to remember that the person I'm praying for is not somebody, it's not just another miracle that needs to happen. It's somebody with a name, somebody that God really loves, that he really cares about. And if they can have an encounter with love, that is what will not fail. On the street, if you're uh, reaching out to pray for somebody who's sick, instead of uh, focusing on the miracle happening, you can just know that's a manifestation of who God is. But if the aim is that they will experience love, you can't fail because love doesn't fail. Hallelujah. And it's such an encouragement. I had a a guy come to our house um, a few weeks ago to drop drop some things off that we were hiring. And... um, just as I was chatting to him as he was unloading the truck, he, he said, oh, you know, I don't normally do this. I, uh, I'm just doing this to earn some extra money. My wife's got cancer, and uh, so we're going to go for sort of a last trip to Europe. And I just kept talking to him, and I, I told him uh, James's testimony about being healed of stage 4 cancer. I, I shared some other stories of cancer being healed. And I said, I really believe uh, that there is hope and I said, can I pray for your wife? And you know, as I began to pray for him, he just began to tear up. And I had the opportunity then to run inside and get a copy of my book and just say, look, can you give this to her? I think she'll really be encouraged by it. It's got lots of stories of healing and hope. But it was what was important to me was that he actually had an encounter with the, the reality of who God was. And that is God is love. 
if you love them, if you actually care about them, and you're not thinking about the ministry of healing as just something you do, but a manifestation of who he is, knowing full well that Christ is love, then as you manifest love, healings and miracles will flow. Hallelujah. I want to just do a little recap of my last message on healing before we jump into some new things. 1 John uh, chapter 5, verse 14 says this. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That's a very exciting promise. Imagine meditating on that. Most of you might have heard that scripture, read that scripture. But if you took five minutes a day just to meditate on that scripture, hmm, let me think about this. If I ask anything according to your will, you hear me. And if I know that you hear me, whatever I ask, I know that I have what I've asked for. Oh, that's very exciting, God. And if you stayed on that thought for five minutes, hmm, well, I can ask anything according to your will and I can have confidence. This is the confidence I can have that as I'm asking, I can know that I actually have what I'm already asking for. It's just a done deal. And it it would start to come through from an information to an actual application in your world. You'd begin to go, if you stayed on that for a whole five minutes, just rejecting every little ding and uh, Facebook notification that might try to pop up and every phone call. And if you, if you just deliberately stayed on that one thought for, for five minutes and just applied it, chewed on it, what does that look like? We begin to see such an acceleration of fruit in our lives. Amen? If we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the position, uh, the petitions that we've asked of him. So I, I quoted F.F. F. Bosworth last week. He says this, faith begins where the will of God is known. And when we know the will of God, it is absolutely the will of God that we be healed. We know that because we went through the scriptures. That clearly, right through from Exodus, right through to Revelation, we know that this is actually the will of God, that we prosper and be in health. Hallelujah. That with long life, he'd satisfy us and show us his salvation. Hallelujah. We read scriptures, and there's so many, so I won't go through them all. We read the scripture in uh, Exodus chapter 15, verse 26. It says that I am the Lord who heals you. Hallelujah. Psalm 103 verse 2 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Hallelujah. Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Hallelujah. I just had to read the extra bits because it's so yummy. Mm. Just enjoy that. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It's Jesus' will that we be healed. Uh, 
I can't read through all of the New Testament scriptures that we, uh, we went through, but there is an abundance of evidence. You know, the Bible talks about building our life on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Wise man built his house upon the rock. I think you know it. The wise man built his house upon the rock and the rain came tumbling down. And then it goes on and says, talks about the man who built his house on the sand and it went splat. If you were in Sunday school. But the rock is Jesus Christ. Everything we believe must be built on Christ and him crucified, on the reality of who Christ is. Hallelujah, that he has died and that he has risen. Hallelujah. This is the truth. This is what we believe. Hallelujah. And so you can examine, and I'd encourage you to do it, not just to take doctrine that you've, you've heard or uh, teaching that sounds good, but examine everything through just a, a fresh, childlike a Holy Spirit-led reading of the Bible. Study the life of Jesus. Live in it. Feast on it. And if you examine the life of Jesus, you cannot find one instance where Jesus said to somebody, it's not my will for you to be healed. Not one time. You might be thinking, well, what about that Syrophoenician woman that he sort of ignored? What happened? She got what she was looking for. Every person who came to him with a problem and said, help Jesus, Jesus manifested himself as the answer. Without fail, there is not one instance where, where somebody came looking for help, looking for healing, looking for a miracle where Jesus didn't heal. He healed them all doesn't doesn't mean that he healed everybody that was in the land he healed everybody who came to him for help hallelujah so uh matthew chapter 17 verse 20 so jesus said to them because of your unbelief for sure assuredly i say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you'll say to this mountain move from here to there and it will be moved and nothing will be impossible for you hallelujah we know even as we read the bible that the will of god is clearly for healing and it says here in matthew chapter 17 it's talking about the disciples came across a case that they didn't see get healed it obviously had become absolutely normal that everyone they prayed for got healed right because they're like what's the deal how come this one didn't get healed? It's not normal. There must be a reason. How come she's not healed? Because we know that you want to heal. So what's the deal? And Jesus says, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. I want to take us a little deeper today. You know, if we know that the will of God is always to heal, you know, I think we've got to be careful not to try and figure out too much about why didn't this happen or why did that happen? You know, I think the question is not why God, why, when God, when, how God, how, but who, who do you want to be to them? 
And the answer always has to come back to, he wants to be their healer. He wants to be their deliverer. He wants to be their lover. He wants to be their savior and their redeemer because that's who he is. That is a firm and sure answer. All the other stuff is conjecture and sinking sand. If we, we sometimes get very clever about it uh, and we think we're clever and we try and come up with reasons why someone uh, might be sick. The disciples tried this. They were like, well, who sinned that that man was born blind? Was it his father? Maybe his mother. Maybe he sinned in the womb. And Jesus was like, he ignored the question of who, who sinned and, and why he was, was sick. He's like, it's not, it's not to do with any of that. It's because I'm here to heal him. And, you know, that's the answer Jesus gives all the time. It's not about the why or how it happened. It's about what I want to do right now and who I want to be. And this is, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I who wanted to heal him in the scripture still wants to heal him today. Hallelujah. So if you've been struggling in your own body and thinking, well, what did I do? What sin have I done? Why has this happened? Instead of going, why, God, why? Let me encourage you. Lift up your head and look at who, who, God, who are you? Hallelujah. But they knew that this is the will of God, that he would heal. They knew clearly that, uh, and they had experienced miracle after miracle after miracle. It was just not normal for someone not to get healed. And then suddenly they came across this one that they just couldn't cast a demon out. They couldn't get this guy healed, this little boy. And uh, so they're like, Talk to us about what this is. He says, it's your unbelief. And he says here, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. And this has been a stumbling block, I think, for a lot of people, this scripture. I mean, I know in my own life, I used to um, pray and fast quite a lot. And I I, I just sort of decided that every time I'd preach, I'd fast that day. However, I started being asked to preach every day and then I realized I can't fast every day because otherwise I fall down and um, it won't be the anointing. So I was faced with the dilemma because I had a belief system that if I, unless I fasted and prayed, I wouldn't be anointed. Unless I fasted and prayed, um, there might be some there that won't get healed because it might be that kind, you know, and just to be safe, I'd better fast and pray. And so I, um, I had to make the decision based on that flawed logic of, um, well, which meeting can I afford to not be anointed for? And I began to realize, oh, I think my thinking about this has got to be wrong. Because miracles are supposed to be part of our everyday life and we can't fast every single day. And so I began to examine it and say, what is, what's all this about? Now, I do believe that there is great power in fasting and prayer. But I also believe that we don't twist God's arm by it. It's not like the pagans uh, and the, the Baal worshippers who'd cut themselves and hurt themselves to try to get their God's attention. That's not what fasting's about. Hallelujah. I want to share just a few things with you just on this point because I want to encourage you. If you have in your head that maybe you're going to pray for somebody and they might not get healed, that is doubt that is like kryptonite to Superman. 
It's poison. I, I sat in Bible college when I was younger, and we had lecturers that would try to talk to me about the sovereignty of God, that we couldn't really know if God really wanted to heal everybody, so just give it a go. But, you know, you couldn't have a certainty that they would be healed. You couldn't tell people you can expect to be healed because we really don't know what God wants to do. And I happily, it drove me to the scripture to find out, actually, that's not true. Based on the word of God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. He said, go into the cities, go into the towns, heal the sick. He never said, give it a go. He never said, well, this is the deal for me, but, you know, you've got a different set of rules for you. It's just not the truth. It's clever doctrine tried to be designed to make us feel better about failure. But it is not the word of God. I'm just going to tell you like it is. Hallelujah. Because it was like a red rag to a bull for me. I thought, how am I supposed to pray for healing if I can't have a certainty in my heart that it's the will of God for them to be healed? If I was going to stand in front of somebody and pray for healing and had in the back of my head, maybe they're not going to get healed because maybe it's not God's timing or not God's will, then how could I live in faith? How could I release the gift of faith? How could I pray for a miracle if I had doubt in my heart? Faith begins where the will of God is known. Hallelujah. So we have to get that solid. We have to get that straight. And I believe the disciples had that straight, but now they were coming up against what happened. What's the deal here? I just want to offer a few thoughts. Fasting and prayer, I think, is something that is not meant to be a, uh, a difficult hardship. I used to say I'm the world's worst faster because I really like food. And get to day three of fasting and I'm not even safe to drive on the road, you know, like my brain doesn't seem to operate properly. And I have never, I must confess, done a really long fast because I just have to drive kids. And I honor those that do, but... I, in the early days, with my mentality of fasting, I was basically just trying to abstain from food. But I was sort of forgetting about the fasting and prayer thing. And fasting and prayer, when I look at it actually in the Bible, in the New Testament, in case if those of you say it's all Old Testament, let's have a little look in the New Testament. It does talk about it in several places. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5. He's talking to married couples here, and he says, Don't deprive one another except with consent for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer. Uh, this is Paul. And uh, he wasn't forgetting about grace at this stage. He was actually... It's in the book. So he was talking about fasting and prayer being a normal part of Christian life. And so as, he's look, as he was talking about it, though, he was, it, if you look at it in that context, it seems like fasting and prayer is actually more in the context of a spiritual retreat. And I like to look at it like that because, honestly, the idea of not eating is not fun for me. I really like food. I wake up looking forward to breakfast. But when I look at when I feel the Lord leading me to fast... 
I, I view it more as, a, as an opportunity for a spiritual retreat with God. Where it's not just me abstaining from food or depriving myself of something. It's actually myself giving myself opportunity by my free choice. An opportunity to have a spiritual special time with God. A spiritual retreat with him. Whereas if I'm missing a meal, instead of just abstaining and looking longingly at everybody else's food, smelling the smells in the kitchen, I can pull aside and I can deliberately pray and spend some more time in prayer. I, I must confess, my fasting is more intermittent fasting where it'll be a day, maybe a day here or a day there. Uh, just because I, I find that for me, it's not about the competition of how long I can go for. It's about me actually being and having some quality time with God. And, um, and it's not about me earning something or twisting God's arm with my fasting. I believe fasting and prayer actually deals with unbelief in our hearts. Hallelujah. And gives us an opportunity to remind ourselves that we are consecrated to God. It might seem like a bit of an old-fashioned word, but we no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ. And we have consecrated ourselves to him. And fasting and prayer for me is an opportunity just to remind myself that my life is consecrated to him. Hallelujah. And so I like to, I like to draw aside and the, the times when I would be preparing or um, eating a, a meal, I like to try and just use that time instead to pray. And my brain, when it's fasting, is not necessarily as focused as it normally is. Um, I'm just being very real with you. Some people say I get sharper when I fast. I'm like, I do not get sharper when I fast. I'm like, I'm just like, oh, don't look at the food. Don't look at the food. You know? <laughs> don't think about food. So I actually like to join that day of discipline with a... Um, a I'll put on some worship music and I'll just determine, okay, for the next 30 minutes, I'm just going to deliberately engage with the words of this worship and I'm going to focus on God. Or I'll put on some apostolic prayers. I've, I've recorded a whole bunch of my favorite Bible passages and I pray into those with some worship Brett did uh, for us. And I, I've recorded it on a CD and I'll I can play that and that'll help me keep on track. Or um, I've got written out a whole bunch of scriptures that I really like to pray. I love to pray the Bible. Like this morning, um, I, I was enjoying uh, from, from the Psalms, Psalm 143, verse 8, it says, Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you I do trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. And I'd pray into it like this. I'd say, Father, thank you. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for it's in you I trust. Lord, I thank you that every day you are just wanting to reveal to me your loving kindness. Cause me to see it. Cause me to understand it. Help me, Lord. Help me to be aware of your loving kindness for me today. Help me to really 
know it. I, and I'll, then I'll be led into Ephesians chapter 3 and just begin to pray, Holy Spirit, strengthen me with might so I can truly understand and comprehend Christ dwelling in my heart through faith, that I can know this love that passes knowledge, that I'd be rooted and anchored in it. Let it go down deep into my spirit. Give me supernatural revelation of your height and your depth and the width and the breadth, this love that's all-encompassing. Oh God, I truly want to be filled up to overflowing. And It'll, it'll spark me to go further and say, Lord, I hunger and thirst after you like a deer pants for water. God, I'm thirsty for you. I want to be filled up to overflowing. And I use the word of God literally as food to feed me. So rather than just going, I'm, I'm standing, I'm standing, I'm standing. Oh, I'm trying to not, I'm trying to fast, I'm trying to fast. Oh, oh I did it again. <laughs> and condemning myself. I I deliberately choose just to to go, okay, I'm hungry, so I'm going to go and eat the word. I'm going to pray the word. I'm going to stay on track. I've got it in front of me, and I'm going to out loud say it, because if I just do it in my mind, my mind tends to wander off to Cadbury. Okay. Casting that thought down. Hallelujah. Instead, I want to feast on the word of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Happy is the man that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows. You know, you don't have to feel condemned. I'm trying to fast and I didn't. Hey, you can make a conscious decision at any point to eat. And, and you are not needing to be making huge commitments. I'm going to fast for 14 days. If you've never fasted before, you know, start with one day and see if you can actually have a consecrated retreat with God on that day. That the time you would have spent eating, that you actually deliberately focus and meditate and chew on the word of God. And, and, and institute some disciplines that will help you like this. Uh, I mean, some people are really good at staying focused. I, I need a bit of help. I need to sometimes get the, the, the words in front of me and stay on track or, or put the music on if I'm feeling a bit distracted. Be aware, too, that there is spiritual stuff going on around as well that is trying to distract you, that is trying to rob from you, trying to condemn you. But if instead, you'll, you know, often too, I'll just go, okay, for the next 15 minutes, I'm going to pray out loud in tongues and I'll put a timer on with an alarm. Why? Because I've got to keep myself on track. Hallelujah. And I'll do it. And you think, oh, you sound very religious. No, I'm very hungry. And I don't want to just float through life. I want more. Hallelujah. I go to the gym and I actually like have a timer on the thing. And I'm going to do 15 minutes here. I'm going to do this here. I do that because I want to get fitter. Same in the spirit. I do this. I deliberately have to put these disciplines in because I want to get more hungry. I want to get more filled. I want to, I want to be uh, fully aware and fully awake and I want to live a consecrated life. Hallelujah. Because I want nothing to take root in my heart that could cause any seed of doubt or unbelief. I want it all dealt with so that it's like building up a bank. So if I you know, um, go to pray for somebody, 
I have a confidence that I have been entwined with God. I've been in intimate connection with God. And whether I've fasted recently or not, I know I've got a, a bank in here of intimate connection with God that when I go to pray for them, I know who I'm giving. I'm not just trying to do a work of a miracle. I am giving the one who I intimately know that I've spent quality time with. Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16. Later he appeared to the 11, it's verse 14. Later he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. You know, actually God does sometimes rebuke us for different things. This is Jesus. And the spirit of Jesus sometimes will rebuke us. I hate to shock you. But his rebuke is not meant to make you feel ashamed or condemned. His rebuke is designed to lead you into greater and greater freedom because unbelief will be a hindrance to you. So his desire is that we actually live a lifestyle of repentance. And it's repentance that is not like, oh, yes, I did that. I'm terrible. Yes, I did that. I'm terrible. Yes, I did. I used to, as I shared the other night, I, I was very good at repenting, but really bad at believing that I was actually forgiven for what I was repenting for. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of something, hey, and he reveals the the judgment or the unforgiveness or the unbelief, instead of going, oh, I'm so terrible. Oh, God, I'm just terrible. That's not what God's doing it for. He's like, hey, we are, we are actually making you shinier and brighter, causing you to be polished up so you shine like a, a star in the universe. I haven't told you to condemn you. I've told you to show you that's actually not part of your new nature. Reject it and go, oh, yeah, that's not what, why am I behaving like that? That's not right. I give it to you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for the truth of who I really am. Hallelujah. And so God does do this, and he wants us to be getting things right in every area of our life. You say, well, what's this got to do with healings and miracles? Let me tell you, I believe God wants to do through each one of us more than just a few healings or a few things. He wants us to have a consistent lifestyle of supernatural power being manifested. And it's going to require us to fully jump in and allow him to manifest himself through us in every area of our life. If we will give ourselves to him, he will give himself to us. Fasting and prayer helps us realize, hey, I give myself to you and I receive what you're giving to me. Repentance gives us the capacity to recognize, wow, thanks God, I'm not going to be limited by that anymore. I have been given a, a new nature. I've been given the freedom. He wants to deal with us in our marriages. You can't expect to be moving in supernatural power and miracles if you're neglecting your spouse. If you're too busy for your spouse, you're too busy. Maybe you didn't hear me. If 
you're too busy for your spouse, you're too busy. If you're too busy for your family, you are too busy. God wants us to get every area of our life in divine order, consecrated to him. You might be able to fast for 40 days, but if you can't love your spouse, if you can't make time for your spouse, stop your fasting and take your wife on a date. I have to tell you the truth here. You know, some people, they can get one side right, but if the fasting and prayer is actually about helping us remember, your ways are what I want, God. And he teaches us his ways. His, the Bible it deals with every single aspect of everyday life. It's fantastic. Hallelujah. He's into rest. He's into joy. He's into righteousness. He's into peace. He's into happy families. Hallelujah. Anyway, that one was for free. So he, he um, appeared at the table, Mark 16, and he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who'd sent him after he'd risen. But he didn't go like, well, you are disqualified. I'm going to use the ones that initially believed. He's just like, dude's wrong. You know, that was bad. You need to sort it out. Hey, and here, now let me commission you and tell you what we're really going to do. Hallelujah. He goes on deliberately and he says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will will recover. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if you've been caught up in the why God, why when God went, how God, how, just stop with that. And let me suggest that you give yourself to the pursuit of knowing who. Because in finding him who is the same yesterday, today and forever, Finding him who is love, who is the way, the truth, and the life. The one who came to give us life and life more abundant. Who came to destroy the works of the evil one. Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He is the one that lives in us. And as we consecrate ourselves, deliberately choosing life by by saying, I want more. I'm coming after you. You will see increase and growth in the miraculous in in your life. Hallelujah. Now, I I really believe that we need to get back to the basics of what the Bible's saying. So often we can take bits of it and misuse it. Like I've seen people with eating disorders who say, I'm fasting, I'm fasting. Don't fast. If If you've got an eating disorder, don't fast. Pray. Give up social media. 
do something. I'm not trying to be uncompassionate, but you know, fasting is not about missing food. Fasting is about having a consecrated time aside with God. Hallelujah. And if you want to do it for two meals a day, two meals a day for a week, um, or if you want to just like one day a week miss two meals or three meals, or if if once a month you have just a day that you're consecrated, whatever it looks like for you, that's wonderful. Don't feel condemned either if you can't. Happy is the man that condemns not himself and the thing that he allows. But when you decide what you're really hungry for, you'll start to get things lined up. If someone decides, I really want to get fit, they will get up and start exercising, right? But if you decide, I really want to see the miracle working power of God, I want to see them all healed. If you want it enough you will start to actually pursue the one who is the source of life. Hallelujah. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Hallelujah. Now, I, um, I want to encourage you. This isn't a message about fasting. This is a message about Jesus wanting to have relationship with us. And we don't have relationship with him because of what we do. We have relationship with him because we simply choose to receive the gift of life, the gift of fellowship, friendship with God that he longs for us to open our hearts and receive. The Bible says that every one of us, all mankind, is created in the image of God. That means that we have a choice. We have the freedom to choose. We, we see that God put two trees in the garden. They could choose because if they didn't have a choice, then it wouldn't truly be love. It wouldn't truly be relationship. It would be control. God doesn't want to control you. He wants to be your friend. He wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your savior. He gives you the fruit of his spirit, which is self-control, so you can control yourself. Hallelujah. So you don't go from fasting to binging to fasting to binging. You can actually just exercise the fruit of self-control, choosing freely with power from him living in you. But you are free to make every choice you make. Absolutely free. It's for freedom that you've been set free. Hallelujah. But you also have a choice. Every person on the planet has a choice whether or not to open their hearts and receive Christ as their saviour, the one who forgives them, the one who cleanses them, the one who comes into their life and makes them new on the inside, or whether they choose to hold on to their own life. The Bible says if you'll lose your life to find his, we find everlasting life. But it has to be a choice. The Bible talks about being born again. Unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The reason that is, is because everyone, every human is born with a sin nature. We're born of our ancestors, Adam and Eve, who sinned. And their sin came into humanity. But Jesus came as the last Adam. So that if we would receive him as the one who died for us and rose again. If we by faith say, thank you, Lord, you died in my place. I have been crucified with you. I receive your forgiveness. I receive by faith your mercy. We can actually become new creations. We read the scripture. He was wounded for our transgressions. That is our sin. 
He was bruised for our iniquities. That's our crookedness, our crooked nature, our old sin nature. He did it so that we could not only be forgiven, we could become new creations where we would have a new identity, holy, clean, dearly loved, hallelujah, righteous not of our own efforts, but by the supernatural grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and faith that he gives us to believe it and receive it, hallelujah. Today, if you're here and you know in your heart you need to get your life right with God, I want to give you that opportunity before we pray for some people and take communion together. A lot of people believe in the existence of God, but it takes a deliberate choice to say, God, I don't want to just believe in your existence. I want to respond to your mercy I want to be born again. I want to be a new creation. I want to have intimate fellowship with you. I want to know your loving kindness morning by morning. If that's you and you need to respond to the mercy of Christ, you want to say, yes, I want to be born again. I want to become a new creation today. Today is the day I want to step over the line and make a choice to to get my life right with God, to give it and surrender it to him. And become a new creation today. Would you just wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you. Is there anybody here that says, yeah, that's me. Let me see your hand. Hallelujah. If you want to respond to the mercy of God, let me see your hand today. Thank you, Father, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here that says, yeah, that's me? Yes, I see your hand. Is there anybody else? Just wave it at me. I'm not going to make you come up. I just want to see your hand. Hallelujah. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me? I want to get my life right with Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, everyone watching and and for those who raise their hands right now, I want you just to pray this prayer after me. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be crucified in my place, to be punished for my sins. I believe that Jesus died and rose again. Right now, Lord, I ask you to forgive me for everything I've ever done. I bring you all of my sin to the foot of the cross and I give it to you. Father, I come and I bring you my life and my old identity. I give you my life. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. By faith, I receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your righteousness, and your identity, your life. Fill me with your spirit and make me new on the inside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray for each everyone that, that said that prayer right now. Lord, I'm asking that you would so seal them by your blood, that you would release your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to them. Lord, that their eyes would truly be enlightened. Lord, that they would know when they lie down and when they get up that you are for them and that you love them. Lord, wrap them up in your presence. You who've begun a good work in them, you will carry it through to completion. And everybody said, Amen. Hallelujah.